And God and our Father, we thank you once again, Lord, for bringing us together under your grace. We thank you for your mercy and for your grace, Lord, and for the love that you have for each and every one of us. And just at this time, Lord, we just pause and we think of those who are in hospital at this stage. We think of our sister Judy, that you will be with her and her family, Lord, that you will just watch over her. God, our own blessing, we do ask, Lord. And for young Sam in hospital, Lord, as he prepares for the operation, or he's already underway in this particular operation and the seriousness of it, Lord, that you'll be with him, you'll be with the surgeons, that they will be skillful and diligent in the things that they do, Lord, and that uh, a good outcome will come for our young brother and our young friend, uh, Sam. Mm -hmm. We commit uh, Linda and um, Andrew into your care and and the rest of the family, Lord, that you'll be with them. We thank you for the uh, the grace that you have shown to our friend Scott, Lord, and that he is now with us this, this day. We <clears throat> thank you for all the wonderful things there with the family too. And Father, for young Josh, who has broken his wrist as well, that you will be with him in his healing time, Lord, and uh, just watch over that young man as well. Mm. For the rest of our congregation, Lord, for those who are sick and ill and and in great stress, Lord, we ask that you will just be with each and every one, that you will just love them so much, Lord, that they will just look to you, the author and the finisher of, your faith, of their faith. Father, as we open your word this morning, we just pray you'll be with Peter, mm. that uh, you will just bless him, Lord, and that we may glean that little bit more from your word once again, Lord, until you come to take us home to be with you. We thank you for this time we have together. We commit ourselves to your care, Lord, and we Ask you will just bless each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning. Well, I hope I'm loud and clear. Uh, it's always good to uh, come before the presence of the Lord. It's always good to uh, open God's word and to study and to see what he has to say to each and every one of us. Um, well, the topic that I was given today, I was only given a topic, by the way. I was not given any passage. But the topic that I was given was in the image of God or in the image of an ape. Right? So today's sermon is all about a monkey business. Right? It's all about the monkey business. So when I was preparing for this sermon, uh, I was, um, I have a, a bank of little... Uh, Jokes, you know, I was going through it to see if there was anything relevant, and I came across something very interesting, right? Uh, because uh, uh, this little story said that a, a, a little girl once asked her mom, uh, How did the human race come about? You know, these little girls, you know, sometimes little ones are, are very inquisitive. So they asked, She asked her mom, how, how mom did the human race come about? So the mother answered, from the scriptures and said, you know, God made Adam and Eve in his image. And through Adam and Eve, all mankind came. Right? So a few days later, uh, not entirely satisfied with the answer, I suppose, this little girl went to the dad and asked the father the same question. And asked the father, dad, what do you think? How do you think the human race came? So dad said, and many years ago, there were monkeys. <laughs> And we developed from them. Now this confused this little girl. So immediately she ran to her mom and said, Mom, mom, how is it possible that you said that the human race was created by God? And then dad said, uh, or papa said that we developed from monkeys. So the mother answered and said, this is very, very simple. I told you the origins of my side of the family. 
and your father told the origins of his side of the family. <laughs> now this, uh, <laughs> now this is this is a very simple explanation. It's a funny story, but however, it does illustrate uh, a very important question. Now, what is this question? Are we created in the image of God, or are we evolved? and share common ancestry with the primates of today, right? And that's a very, very important question. Now, science, unfortunately, wants us to believe that we share uh, an ancestry with the primates of today, and that's what science wants us to believe, okay? And the theory of evolution suggests to us uh, that we humans uh, belong to a specific category or specific species called the hominiclad, and that's what we humans belong to. In fact, uh, the evolution, the theory of evolution says that about four to five million years ago, a specific subgroup of this hominiclad, uh, and that particular subgroup was called Artipithecus. Now, it's a very, very scientific name, evolved in Africa, and is the earliest known human species with the closest link to the primates of today. Right? And that's what science tells us. That's what evolution tells us. And in fact, many of the scientists use the fact that we have almost 95% uh, DNA matched with chimpanzees. Right? So if you take our DNA and match it with the chimpanzee's DNA, there's almost a 95% match. And science tells us that that's an example of an evidence uh, that we share common ancestry with the primates. Right? That's what science tells us. Now, one thing I must uh, let you know uh, that this whole theory of evolution, that we as humans do share common ancestry with uh, the primates, that we are evolved, has resulted in, uh, I would say, ridiculous things happening uh, to atrocities being committed. I mean, for example, in the 1970s and in the 1980s, and many of you would know about this, uh, if you were interested in uh, events that have happened, uh, there was an incident called Humanzy. Right? A chimpanzee called Oliver, and he was known as a humanzee. Right? And this particular chimpanzee uh, was, had human-like characteristics, and that's what the owner said. Had emotions, always preferred walk upright on its two feet. Right? And this particular chimpanzee was called humanzee. In fact, when this chimpanzee came of age, he was only interested in human females. Right? And not uh, chimpanzee males. Well, I'm not sure whether it has to do with genetics or it has to do with upbringing because this chimpanzee was only reared by humans and never had any contact with other chimpanzees. It was so ridiculous that this particular chimpanzee was taken to Japan and 25 million people in the 1980s viewed this uh, in Japan. In fact, one Japanese actress uh, wanted to procreate with this chimpanzee, right? It happened, it, uh, it, it's, it's so ridiculous. And, and this whole thing about evolution and we having common ancestry uh, with the primates resulted in such ridiculous things happening in this world today. Now, one thing I must tell you, the similarities of the DNA uh, is misleading. A certain percentage of the similarity in the DNA shows more, in my opinion, the work of a designer rather than accidental evolution. I mean, for example, I'm sure Ernie has a 60-ton truck. When you compare a 60-ton truck uh, with a motorcycle, there is over about uh, there is about 90% match in its components. Very simple. Both have what? Both have wheels. Both have engines. 
Now, when you deconstruct the engines, both have pistons and valves and cylinders. Both have mirrors. The electrical circuit is very similar. Both have similar types of metallic alloys. If you compare all of those components, there is about a 90% match. However, you and I know that a six-ton truck is very different from a, a motorcycle. It can never ever be compared. It was a designer who took all of these similar base components and came up with two very different types of vehicles. So similarity in DNA does not necessarily explain evolution, but rather explains what? Intelligent design. Now that's something that we must understand. Now I hope you realize that we have a 90% DNA match with pigs. So when someone calls you pig-headed, they are not far from truth, right? We also have an 80% match with uh, vegetables and plants. And believe it or not, a 55% match with bananas. Right? So if someone calls you a potato or a pothead or a, a banana, well, there is some truth in that statement. <laughs> that is only if you believe in evolution. So let's come back to this central question. Are we created in the image of God or are we evolved and share common ancestry with primates? If you want to know the answer to this question, let's turn to Genesis chapter 1 and read from verses 24 to 28, right? So Genesis chapter 1, verses 24 to 28. I'm reading from the New King James Version, and this is what it says. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth, each according to its kind, and it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw it was good. Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and every creeping things that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now what I want you all to know or what I want you all to uh, notice is an important difference here between the creation of animals, birds, and fishes as when compared to the creation of man. Now, what is the difference that we notice? Now, you can see when God said, when God said to create all living creatures, um, what did God say? All living creatures according to its kind. That's what God said. And the Hebrew word that is used here is min, right? And the idea of min is the idea of categories and species. So this means that all animals must be viewed or understand in terms of categories or species. Get it? That's what it says here. However, when you come to verse 26, what do you see? A very, very clear shift in verse 26. Because when it comes to the creation of man, instead of saying, let there be, 
That's what God said. Let there be. Or God said. Here we find a very purposeful and deliberate dialogue between the triune God. And what does it say? It says, let us, and these are the words that the Lord used, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Whereas animals were created according to its categories or species, humankind was made uniquely in the image or in the likeness of God. That's the difference that you notice in these verses, a shift in verse 26 and verse 27. It's a very, very important shift here. All other animals can be compared to its kind. For example, if you take the big cats, such as lions and tigers and cheetahs, etc., all of them belong to a species, which we call the cat family. But humans cannot be compared to any other animals or creatures. Why? Because there is none. Why? Because God said, God made man in his likeness or in his image. And that is what the scripture says so very, very clearly. And that is why Satan tries to introduce a lie and introduce alternate explanations like the theory of evolution. God said we have been created in the likeness of God. We cannot be compared to any other created animals. But what does Satan say? No. That's what Satan says. No, no, no. You belong to the hominy clad. That's what Satan says. You share common ancestry with primates, which is totally against the scriptures. A right understanding of this has huge implications for our Christian faith. Let me tell this to you. There's huge implications for our salvation, our future glory, and the entire purpose of God's redemptive plan for mankind. This is very, very important. If, it, if you cast doubt, if Satan is able to cast doubt on the veracity of verses 26 and 27, you have in fact cast doubt on the entire redemptive plan of God. And that is something that we must understand. Now for me, it is absolutely preposterous to think that God wants to have an eternal relationship with a set of highly evolved apes. Right? For me, it's absolutely preposterous. It's insulting to consider that his son, our Lord Jesus Christ, came as a man who is a highly evolved ape. Just think about it. And when the trumpet of the Lord shall sound, right? Have you been considering this uh, this morning? When the dead in Christ shall rise and those who are believers who are still living is caught up, the scripture says that we will see him as he is. The raptured church will be the bride of Christ occupying a prominent place in the new heaven and in the new earth. It's disgraceful even to think that our Lord's bride is a bunch of born-again evolved apes. Right? Although sometimes we act like one on this earth. <laughs> right? it's, it's preposterous to think that man was created in the likeness of God with no other comparison to any other species on this earth. And that is the why, that's why we notice a difference in verses 26 and verses 27. Why? With the express purpose of having a relationship with God. When humanity sinned, and in order that the relationship God with God can be reclaimed, what did God do? God sent his son in the likeness of man to pay the ultimate price for our sins. He died on the cross of Calvary. When the church is raptured, when we shall be transformed, we who are made in the image of God, we will put on immort immortality, as the scripture says, and we will see him as he is. Now, isn't that wonderful? 
right? And in this redemptive plan of God, remember, I think I told somebody this, remember there is no monkey business in this redemptive plan of God. The theory of evolution is degrading and insulting to the whole redemptive plan of God. And unfortunately, Satan has duped the world with this great lie of evolution. Now, this is something that we must bear in mind. Why I'm saying this is because there are many well-meaning believers who hold to the scriptures and who also say, I hold to evolution. No, you can't do that. If you believe in the scripture and believe that the scripture says that God has created man and woman in his own image, with no other comparison to any other species in this world, you cannot, on the other hand, hold to the theory of evolution. Scripture is very, very clear. Now the question is this, what does it mean to be created in the image of God? What does it mean to be created in the image of God? There's no simple answer to this question. I'm thankful for Philip because he gave me a whole set of commentaries. I, which I patiently went through yesterday. And, how, and what I did was I took these commentaries and, and all of these commentaries suggest various ways, but I have taken four ways we can interpret this statement in his image. Four ways in his image. First, we share with God similar nature, character, and attributes. Right? We as humans share with God similar nature, character, and attributes. Let's be clear that we are patterned after God. But on the other hand, we are qualitatively much inferior to him. So let's be clear about that. We are patterned after him, but qualitatively much inferior to God. We are similar or analogous in the sense that we are derivative of God's nature, character, and attributes, but we are in no way equal with God. Right? That is something that we must understand. Now let us consider, for example, our spiritual nature. Now, although we have a mortal body, this mortal body is only a vessel. And that's why I tell people, don't look at my body, you know, just look at me inside, right? Our mortal body is a vessel. It's only a vessel for our soul and for our spirit. Our spirit is the animated and the personality aspect of our being. And with our spirit, we worship God. The scripture says, and because God is spirit, we worship God, how? In spirit and in truth with our spirit and in truth. John chapter 4, verse 23. Now, like God, we also have what is known as a moral dimension to our nature. Although our moral dimension is very much limited and corrupted by sin, we know that. In the Garden of Eden, when uh, Eve made a choice to disobey the Lord's commandment, ever since, man was given the choice after that. You can either live your life by God's given moral conscience so that you can choose between right and wrong, either you do that right throughout your life or to recognize that this is impossible and to accept the offer of salvation through Christ. Right? So we have a moral dimension. In that sense, we are similar to our Lord. Like God, we have a rational nature, able to intelligently reason and to think about things. Now, when I was thinking about this, the best example of this, uh, of man's rational nature, is seen in the way Moses intervened, uh, uh, intervened on the behalf of the nation of Israel. Remember, when God wanted to destroy the Israelites because of their rebellion in the wilderness, and God told Moses, I will destroy all of these people and I'll recreate a new nation in you. What did Moses say? Moses reasoned with God. 
He rationally reasoned with God. He said, God, please don't do that. Because if you do it, what will happen? All these Egyptians and the Canaanites said, God took them out of, the, uh, out, out of Egypt and God could, do, could not bring them into the promised land and therefore destroy them in the wilderness. So Moses was able to rationally uh, reason with God. Right? So created in his image can mean that, that we are similar uh, to God in our nature, in our character, in our attributes, however substantially inferior to who God is. The second interpretation suggests that man is created to have some physical resemblance to God. Now you might be wondering as to why I mean by that, what I mean by that, physical res resemblance to God. This possibility is suggested by many commentaries because the word image is most frequently used in the Old Testament to speak of similarity of physical nature. That's what it means. So this interpretation for me might have or may have some validity. For example, if you look at all of the visions that were seen by the Old Testament prophets, many of them who saw the vision of God said what? The appearance of a man. And that was a vision that uh, many of the Old Testament prophets saw. For example, Ezekiel. Ezekiel's vision of the Lord. In Ezekiel chapter 1, verse 26, what does it say? And above the firmament, over their heads was a likeness of a throne, in their appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. And that was Ezekiel's vision of God. In the New Testament, we also see the Apostle John's vision of the Lord in Revelation chapter 1, verse 13, where it says, And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. So although there might be some validity to this view, no one has ever seen God face to face. Even the vision that the prophets saw of God is always masked but by, great, by, by brightness and by fire, far exceeding the glory of a man. Right. However, that's another interpretation. Thirdly, now for me, this is uh, the most likely interpretation. Thirdly, because men share similar nature, character and attributes with God, and perhaps because man has some resemblance with God in a physical sense, what happens? Man therefore has the capacity to relate to God. Now that's an important thing here. Man's divine image means God is able to enter into a personal relationship with man to speak to man and to make covenants with man. Now, this is very crucial to our entire Christian faith. Now, all of us know it makes logical sense that we as man cannot enter into a covenant relationship with uh, any, other, any other creatures other than man himself, someone of similar nature. We know that. For example, we cannot enter into any covenantal relationship with an animal like a dog. How can we do that? You show me a man who says that he has a covenantal, covenantal relationship with his pet dog. And I will show you someone who has a long-term resident in the Henry Bennett Ward. Right? You can't do that. Right? You can only have a covenantal relationship with someone of a similar nature. So when the triune God said, let us make man in our image, it was a special kind of creative act enabling man to have a unique, special, covenantal relationship with God. 
right? And because God is able, or God made us in His image, God is able to enter into such a relationship with us. So all of the covenants, the Adamic covenant that we see, the covenant with Noah, the Abrahamic covenant, which is the covenant of land and the covenant of blessings, the Mosaic covenant, and the new covenant, are all the result of us being uniquely and wonderfully created in the image of God. Right? Now, if you take this away and substitute it with the theory of evolution that we are an evolved apes, then you have undermined God's entire redemptive plan and his entire covenant. And that is why it, I firmly believe that if you don't believe in this, you have undermined the entire Christian faith. And this is why Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27 is so central to the entire scriptures. And believers, and as believers, we must never ever be fooled by Satan. Unfortunately, Satan has blinded this world with evolution and has even led many, many believers astray. Right? Now, last year, I'm, uh, I was having a conversation uh, with someone in, in the university uh, who is a, a senior a professor in the university, and he was telling me, uh, I have no problems in holding to the theory of evolution. Absolutely no problems at all. But I love the Lord, and I have no problems with the scriptures. Now, you can't do that. If you hold to the theory of evolution, then you cannot hold to the fact that God made man in his own image, uniquely in his own image. Man cannot be compared to any other species on this earth. Fourthly, being made in the image of God means that we are able to be God's representative on this earth. Now, this is also very important. God's original creative plan was to make man to have dominion over all the earth. We read that in Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. Because we are purposely created in the image of God, man is able to be God's representative. All right? That's why. Now, for example, if you, for example, want to go into a, uh, go to a special function, if you're not able to uh, um, go to that function due to whatever issues, what would, who would you send? I can still remember uh, uh, in my family, you know, I belong to a, a Chinese family and my mom and dad used to always say, as eldest son, you can represent us, right? So in all of these important functions, when my parents can't go, they send me to represent them. They didn't send their pet dog, right? They send someone of a similar nature. So because we are uniquely created in the image of God, we are able to represent God in this earth. And that's something that we must understand. Man was not only to have dominion, but also was tasked to be good stewards of these earthly resources that God has placed under his care. Today we see a partial fulfillment of this, not a total fulfillment. Why? Due to the entry of sin into this world. However, I believe there will come a time when this will be fulfilled. And that is why it's important for us to understand that we are created in the image of God. Now, I'm not going to waste any more time, so I'm going to close with this little statement. In closing, please take away this one simple fact, if you have not heard anything what I've said. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, has no room for any monkey business, right? No room for any monkey business. And in fact, it is so central to our faith. Remember, we are purposely uniquely created by God. 
we cannot be compared to any other created species because the Bible says so. All other animals were created according to its kind, but man was made in his own, in God's own image. Because of this, God is able to enter into a unique covenantal relationship with man and to fulfill all his promises. You believe in the theory of evolution and that we as humans evolved ape, then you undermine the whole covenantal promises of God. If you take away this truth, you take away the very foundation of Christian faith. And that is why one, uh, Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 to 27 is so important. And that is why Satan today is trying his utmost best, right, for everyone to believe that the theory of evolution is scientific. It is not so. Therefore, let us beware. Let's look to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this uh, wonderful time that you've given us that we can come together in your name as people who are created wonderfully in the image of God. Father God, we thank you that we can come together as blood-bought children, people who have been saved by the precious blood of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Father God, we pray for your blessings upon us as we part and go our homeward way. That's so important, dear Lord, that wherever we are, that we might be tremendous witnesses to you. We ask all of these things and commit this, uh, this day and this time and commit this coming week into your hands. In the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.